0: Everyone and welcome to the Wim Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing is a first of its kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing and get real about women in business. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IAMWIM.com. That's com. Hey guys, what is up? I'm so happy to have you guys back this week. Um, this conversation that uh, we had today today I don't know Hannah Forbes of pear Pop, like she's my people <laughs> so I was super excited to have her um we were chatting about like the innovation of pear pop how they think about influencer marketing differently and just like the creator economy differently um, which I was so excited about and I've they've sort of been on my radar for a while they've been hiring really interesting people paying people really well and I uh, I don't know. It's been on, they've been on my radar for a while um, as wanting to bring on this podcast. So Hannah Forbes is joining us today from Parapop. We also transitioned into talking about web two versus web three for quite a while. So if you have been intrigued by it or been like, what the hell is everybody talking about? <laughs> like, why is it such a thing? She gets it and she's just as enthused about it as I am. So tune in for that. Um, and then you know, she also gives some great advice for those of you who are wanting to explore influencer marketing starting out at the beginning of your career. So we asked her like, what advice would you give somebody who's fresh out of school wanting to start their journey in influencer marketing? So she gave a little bit of that as well. I'll, share a little bit about like who is hannah and why this episode is going to be so good so she's definitely one of the leading pioneers of the creator economy um she's been in it actually since before me since 2009 she mentioned um she's working hard to help creators earn a living doing what they love she's currently the vp of marketing at PearPop. she built her career around a clear purpose of unlocking innovative ways to build creator driven communities through brand values culturally disruptive partnerships that drive equity within the creator economy. And we talk a lot about all of that in today's conversation she's originally from canada but she resides in new york and spent the last six years building and leading rga's influence studio where her team crafted an innovative influencer strategies and award-winning authentic collaborations between creators and some of the world's most respected brands some like samsung verizon uber and instagram Um, prior to rga she was at the la-based creative agency omelette After launching Zomad, one of the first social influencer agencies back in 2010, I love that her Twitter is Dr. Banana Zero, (laughs) which we will link ways of getting in touch with her below in the description box anyway. And in the show notes, if you're listening um, on one of the podcast platforms, but just as a heads up, we are now distributing all of these episodes via video and audio, which is super cool. I know I personally prefer to watch some, not all, but some of my favorite podcasts. So I thought, why not? We're gonna record these anyway. We might as well record the video version. Also, if you are a member of WIM and you're part of our membership, you can actually tune into all of these podcast recordings live. Why is that fun? If sure, you get a peek behind the scenes, and there are definitely some things, not a lot. We don't have a heavy hand, but there are some things that are edited out, so you get to see the those moments. But I think one of the most intriguing parts about joining the live recording of our podcast episodes is you get to ask questions in real time and, of course, get featured on the podcast. <laughs> so we've had incredible guests join And some people, after the fact, when the podcast aired, say, oh, can you make an introduction to that person? And I'm like, I mean, of course. And most of the time, they're part of WIM already. But in so many instances, I think that our members could have just joined in live during the recording and have met them in real time. So we made that a reality. And now if you navigate to the events part of our website you will see all of our upcoming podcast recordings new ones are being added all the time also are about to launch a special google calendar that members can subscribe to and just have it like dropped in natively into your calendar so you'll have a a better sense of when all of our events and happenings are There's so much to update you guys on in terms of like the ins and outs of WIM. I guess I'll drop a couple things. We are getting closer and closer to launching our new website, which is super fun. Um, We also hired uh, another employee. You will definitely see her around. She is managing um, community uh, and making sure that all of our members feel as if they're getting the most out of the community. Her name is Daryl. She's fantastic. She joins Wendy, who's been with us for a while. And um, what other housekeeping stuff do I have? I feel like that's it. Oh, the last thing is, I am going to be in LA, The traveling the day that this podcast episode airs. Why am I flying to LA? And I'm so excited, by the way, because I'm going to VidCon. So we are also, uh, if you are a member of WIM, check our Slack channel because we have a special whim discount. The special code is listed on our Slack channel members only. Sorry, but not sorry. And also we are hosting an in real life happy hour, um, the Friday of VidCon. Let me look at a calendar that is Friday, the 24th of June at 7 p.m., And the location and all the details are also shared in the announcements Slack channel. Um, I emailed our members a little bit about that also a couple days ago. We'll be announcing it more as a reminder. I would love to see you guys in person. Holy shit, it's been way too long. Anyways, super excited. Excited for you to get to know Hannah. I got to know her. I freaking love this girl. Um... And I, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. I am super, super stoked to have you on the show today for so many reasons, Hannah, let me count the ways. (laughs) I am just, I'm like, I got to tell you, we haven't like, I didn't geek out with you before we started this recording, but... I have, like, PearPop Pop has been on my radar for quite a while now, and I have been, like, pseudo-stalking you guys, I'm not going to lie, because I am just, like, very, very intrigued with, like, all that you guys are doing. So I'm, like, really excited to learn more about you, more about PearPop. Pop. I have so many questions, and I think probably a good way of starting our conversation before we get into it is first and foremost welcoming you. So welcome, Hannah. How are Thank you today, you. first of all?
1: <laughs> Thank you. I'm great. And I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you because I feel like I have just as many questions for you who I've been watching for so long.
0: Ooh, we're going to pseudo interview each other. It's going to be so fun. I am excited. Um, but I I think a great place to start. We heard on paper, an intro about you at the beginning of this podcast. I just sort of want to hear in your own words, if you don't mind, like a little bit about your professional journey to Pear Pop.
1: Wonderful. So once again, thank you for having me. Um, I have been working in the creator space for for a long time, since it's since it's infancy, which feels like a lifetime ago, and I know that you understand that as well. I started working in it when I was about 21 years old, and I got really lucky to be at a dinner party when I was an intern in sports marketing, and I was seated next to the chief marketing officer of BlackBerry in about like 20 2009 and he was working on a launch plan for this new innovative technology called BBM if you remember what that was it was really the, the first instant mobile messaging service and he wanted to reach me and my, you know my demo and was asking questions about how to connect with you know people in their 20s who are career driven and and um and use social media in order to find recommendations on what products to buy And so I ended up partnering with him and creating the first influencer marketing program um, where we really worked with tastemakers and we, the word influencer wasn't around then. It was, we, we called them, we called it friend to friend endorsements online um, or friend to friend recommendations online. And um, the, the creators that we would look for were bloggers and people with maxed out Facebook accounts, which was 5,000 friends. So those were like like most likely your promoters, you're like the Hollywood insider types. And we gave them all Blackberries. and essentially to get into like the hottest parties, you would have to BBM for an entry. So essentially you would like buy the phone and then BBM. And then all of a sudden we had Paris Hilton and um, Kesha. I mean, this was like the height of, 20, 2009, but, um, but it was really cool to see that new technology unfold and it really opened our eyes in a lot of ways with the potential in this space. Um, and then fr- from there, uh, I, have really just like, ha- haven't been able, been able to let go or, or do anything different. So I, um, helped launch an influencer agency right then in 2019 called Zomad, um, work it br- brought on like a, a lot of brands who would never touch the space before, which was really cool to to help teach them about how to, how to enter and how to be authentic and what types of people to work with, um, and what to care about that. It's not just like eyeballs that it's really about a human recommending something to a human, but you can just do that online. And, um, and yeah, so I did that with, with SoMad for a handful of years. And then I moved over to the, agency world. So I worked at Omelette, an independent creative agency in LA, and I helped them establish a creator practice working with brands like Axe and Red Bull and Nike because they were really fun brands doing cool stuff at the time. And then about seven years ago, um, RGA, which is an IPG-owned agency, which I think Jesse is where where we met, um, they called me and asked me to create a specialized department um, to service this growing need in the market. And so I built that capability from the ground up, um, trained strategists to really have an eye for the data to look for. And I really believe that like looking at the data unlocks the opportunity for really cool creator collaborations. Um, And yeah, and then I guess in, um, yeah, earlier this year in January, I joined Pear Pop. I was really itching to build something again. And to, um, to uh, you know, I think that the creator economy is in such a special space right now. And I, yeah, I haven't looked back since.
0: Well, that is a great way of saying it. It's in like a very special place right now. <laughs> I agree, right? I feel like it is in a very pivotal place. I feel like, um, I don't know, you probably, I, my guess is that you probably got into influencer marketing. What, what year would you say that you got into influencer marketing
1: actually? I mean, I think that was all like 2009.
0: Totally. So you got into it a little bit before I did. Um, and like early days, it was just like it felt different. I don't know about you. I feel like it was like, it was a little bit more exciting, a little bit more like uncharted. And now I feel like some of us are sort of like stuck in our ways a little. People aren't necessarily like experimenting as much as they did. And I gotta say, like, I, I've done a bit of digging on you. And like, from what I see, you're certainly not afraid of like a new venture or like really like pushing the envelope. And I don't know, that's sort of why I got into influencer marketing in the first place. So I think we're like cut from the same cloth. Um, I love what you're saying about like the data, the data, like that really gleans opportunity. And um, it absolutely does. And there are way more creatives out there in this industry than perhaps those who appreciate, understand, what have you, whatever, the, the data. So I know about Parapop that like 100,000 plus, over 100,000 creators use PearPop like every single day to grow and to monetize their influence. Tell us what we should know about Parapop.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, and I love I love what you say about experimenting as well, because I think I think you're right. We've been in this for so long that we've we've seen it and a lot of people are just getting involved in it now. So I think, you know, they but we, we've seen the story unfold in 100 ways and I get bored really easily. And so that's why I'm always thinking, like, how can we hack the algorithm? How can we like disrupt and break the feed and, and really think of it almost as not not stunty, but like like having somebody show up in your feed and then to get somebody to DM that same piece, that asset to somebody else, that's a huge emotional barrier asking them to do. And so I just like really think about it in terms of like, how are we going to like really emotionally motivate people? And um, that really helps like get me out of the product placement or um, doing the same thing again. So I love that you... I love that you called that out. And I guess that's, um, you know, why I, why I joined PearPop at the end of the day. Because so, so PearPop was created during the pandemic in 2020. Um, and it was started around this mission to help creators earn a living doing what they love. And it was created by um, a, an aspiring creator themselves called Mason, who had quite a few followers and he wasn't able to monetize. And he noticed that a lot of his friends had millions of followers and, and they weren't earning a living. And it was very difficult for them to, to build a business because people were offering them goods, merch, exposure, and obviously that doesn't pay rent. And so he saw a big opportunity. And you know, during the pandemic, when ad budgets were being cut so significantly and creators were really having to look at their business models again, this unleashes huge opportunity. And so that's why you said, like I think when we spoke a couple months ago, it was a hundred thousand. Now it's double that. So we're growing really quickly because we're seeing creators really want to take autonomy over their career and, and our technology allows us to do that. So that is what PairPop is a technology um, and it's not it's not an agency. So I think that really separates us from, from the crew in a lot of ways. Um, and what we do is we create opportunities for creators. So most of them at this point are, are brand opportunities. So at any given time, creators can come onto the platform and see a host of, of opportunities if they wanna participate in a challenge um, that is around a new Netflix film or around um, a new app that is coming out. Like we did some really cool space with some stuff with them, with talk space at the beginning of the year around mental health. So it's really these like branded challenges, opportunities. And if you see one that you like, you can participate in it. So you create a piece of content and you share it. And what I, from an agency and marketer perspective, love is that the parameters around the creative are fairly flexible. And so that allows a creator to really create something that's truly awesome. They're not creating ads. I'm so tired of seeing ads by creators. They're not yeah, yeah. It's like they're they're not good because they're not trained to make ads and nobody nobody wins in that instance. But in this instance, the, the way that Pair Pops model has created aligned incentives makes the creative really awesome. So what that means is that brands pay for verified views and engagement on the content itself. They don't pay uh, ahead of time based on how many followers you have or based on like a cool post you did six months ago that went viral, which is traditionally how it's done. It's still done to that day where you try to do some math and like come up with an algorithm and then you offer a payment. This is done based on how many people view watch, save, share your content. And so that means that the creator is super motivated to create a really engaging, awesome piece of content that their audience is going to love. Because if they get lazy and they create an ad and they say, you know, here, buy this, I'm, you know, and I'm gone the next day doing something else, their audience knows and it's not going to perform well, and they're not going to get paid. So this really aligns the incentives, which which I think just fuels the, the creativity within creators. And, allows them to pick and choose what opportunities they want to do. They're not at the whim of an agent or a manager. It's really like giving them autonomy over their career, um, which I think is is needed in this industry.
0: So... I have so many follow questions. I, I like, first of all, I just love the company because I don't really, I personally don't know of anything else out there that's quite doing what you guys are doing. So I really, really respect that you guys are in your own lane and like paving the way for others who will inevitably come in and try to emulate and beat you guys out. But you know, hopefully being first to market and learning all the things that you are, you'll just be the best. I, I have so many questions. First of all, I'm curious, do you kind of think of Parapop as just like an additional revenue stream for creators? And if so, like, where does it land? Like, uh, is it their, um, priority revenue stream? Is it like usually their number one, number two, like supplementary very much at the bottom. Is it filling in gaps? Like, or does it just depend
1: on the creator? I'm curious about that good great question so it definitely depends on the creator it depends where they're at in their journey if they're an emerging creator if they're just trying it out and they want to see if this is something that they want to to dive in head first doing um, a lot of larger creators do it to fill in the gaps to um to also to to create have reasons to create more content. I mean, on on TikTok, it's best practice to create five videos a week minimum. That's a lot of content for a lot of these creators. So, for some of them, they come to Bear Pop just um, honestly for ideas. They'll see a, lo- a lot of the the brands that we work with are record labels, and so we'll have a lot of new trending tracks that are on there, and the artists are looking for for promotion around these tracks. So creators can come and and see a new track and then create whatever piece of content that they want with that track and then get paid for it. And so there's some who are using it Every single day as a primary revenue stream, and they're making tens of thousands of dollars a year, and this is their full profession. And then there's some who use it as creative inspiration, and there's some who use it as fill the gaps and 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 everywhere in between. So we really look at the segmenting the mindset of the creator and making sure that we're having enough opportunities and building the right tools and solutions for creators wherever they're at in their journey. That's so
0: interesting. And so Conversely, tell me a little bit more how brands are like maximizing it the best. Cause I'm sure, similar to the creators, there are different use cases. And, you know, you're talking about record labels, but I'm sure like, you know, traditional brands with like products use it as well. What are, are there any like case studies or like any specific examples that you can share where like this person knocked it out of the park and like, you might want to explore what they did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it really, when you look at the industry specific, like if you break it down by industry, you can see where the innovation is happening. And we're lucky that a lot of the brands who started with us are in the entertainment industry. So like I said, um, a lot of Netflix, almost every film, um, or show that they want to promote, they come into a challenge with us, and the creative is usually fairly open and fun, and and a lot of the like I said the, the record labels, um, the the creative is really fun. Then there's a lot of industries where they're they're still learning, um, and they don't know how to take out the the ad. You know, they try to deck on a lot of hashtags or ask creators to jump through too many hoops. Um, and so we've actually just recently assembled a creative studio in-house. So a creative strategist and a creative team, um, this really hybrid, um, really smart team who can help these clients just teach them about the the best way to ask creators to do things through that challenge. Um, and that usually means just doing, doing less and you'll get more. Um, it's, it's really simple, but I, I just like to think of it in terms of the lens of the Consumers. So if you're you, yeah, how many things can you ask somebody to do on a post? You, you know, one max, they're not going to follow here and then download this and then go tag this person. And, and then it becomes spam and it, and, and it becomes obsolete within a second. So again, leading with emotion, getting them to buy in and then asking them to do one thing. Um, and I think that um, if, if you look at entertainment and also Fashion, in particular, luxury fashion, I think, does a very good job. If you look at Balenciaga, and if you look at Gucci, they're um, really at the forefront of really awesome creative using creators. Prada, as well, Fashion Week—it's a—you know, Fashion Week—the last few years has done some really cool things, Um, and I think that you might not immediately see downloads or some of the lower funnel metrics but you, sh- you, I think it's just l- worth reevaluating what, what to track and in what moments.
0: So it's interesting. you are talking about like the fashion industry. when I think of something that they are doing really well these days, it's diving into web three, which is like really interesting to me on so many levels. I like, I don't think of, well, I don't know, give them some credit was Like I was going to say, like, I don't think of the fashion industry as being so innovative, but like no, well, maybe they are. Um, I don't know. I'm fascinated. Like you saw, you know, very well-known like legacy fashion houses be some of the first to create some pretty successful like NFTs and like really explore Web3 before like they were some of the first into it. Super interesting. I would love to hear like... How you think sort of like Web two and Web three are most different? How are they similar? Because I do know that you, similar to myself, are really into Web three, and I want to talk all about it. So let's oh,
1: get into it. I'm so glad you you asked me about it because i'm I'm so ex- excited about the possibilities. Um I think the the biggest difference is that Web Two has really been about acquiring users. Who can I buy? Who can I get and keep within my world? And how do I keep them there? What programs do I have to like create so I can gate them in here and they're mine? Where Web3 is really about recruiting members. So from acquiring users to recruiting members, and that's a huge mindset shift that a lot of brands and creators are having right now. And it's really cool when you see like the eyes open about the possibilities. And I think that from a brand and a creator economy perspective, it's really interesting when you think in terms of, of ownership. So in Web2, you can create content and you can consume content, but you don't own content. Even if you have a million followers, you don't own those followers and you don't own any of the content that you put out in the world. Instagram, TikTok, wherever you, wherever you place it, they own it. And so at the end of the day, you're held at the whim of these algorithms of these very powerful few at the top who have your entire career in their in their pocket. And with Web3, you can create content, you can consume content, and you have complete ownership over your career and over your content. It's minted on the blockchain and in perpetuity. And so that is a huge, huge shift. From brands, if you think about it, I I think it's like it's the new loyalty program. It's like instead of having your Starbucks card, it's like you're if I was launching a brand today, I would absolutely like mint something to give to those few hundred who are going to make my brand very powerful. That concept works with creators as well. So you can, for the first time, really reward your fans for helping you grow. Um, they can get a stake in it. I mean, imagine... Like a really easy analogy to understand is like imagine you went to the red hot chili peppers in nineteen ninety one when they were like just starting out and hadn't even gone on tour yet. And then you sent their songs to your friends and they sent to their friends. And then now they're uh really I don't know why I use red hot chili peppers as an example. But now, you know, Im- imagine if you didn't just own a poster from them, but you owned a token that was actually worth quite a bit of value now. And not only was that worth something from a monetary perspective, you also then got access to buy their concert tickets. You weren't stuck out of tickets master because you couldn't afford them or you weren't quick enough. Like you actually had a lot of room to grow with the artist. So I think there's a lot there, but I think it's really this idea of ownership and um, the fan and the creator and the brand all working together closer to, to grow and, and to benefit each other instead of this sort of top down approach that web two has. And we're really feeling, I think like the infliction point of right now. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And it is, it's like a complete shift of thinking, um, in terms of the value proposition, right? Like it's, I don't know. I want to, I should have like written it down. I've heard someone say it so perfectly, but I'm going to probably butcher this, but essentially it's like the distinction between just like gathering people and like prospects and customers versus like, but most people who are like part of your organization, you know, I mean, you talked about like giving them like ownership of, of the company or like the, assets and you know you're giving them a piece of the pie which is really intriguing and a very different way of thinking about the creator economy whereas I don't know isn't it like I don't know if it's like ego driven or like it's very it's like a power struggle um in a lot of ways, right? Um yeah, what do you, I I'd love to hear your
1: thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, and even looking at what Instagram has been doing with Reels as of late, um you know, where there's a lot of creators who are finding a lot of success with Reels and they're like this is amazing, this is going viral. It, you know, and and that's amazing, but it's not necessarily because their content's awesome. It's because somebody at Instagram decided to pump Reels Pump your piece of content to take out their competition, and so when you think of that from like a macro meta point of view, it's it's kind of crazy. But they can also just as quickly decide to shut that hose off, and then what happens to your content? What ha- what say you quit your job and you're you're, you're trying to go full time on reels? And so I think. Being in this so long, you've seen this happen so many times. Where in Web three, it's not an algorithm, a, a person in a boardroom in, in California who's deciding what happens with your career and your creativity and and your fan connection. It's the fans. The fans decide. Like a lot of you know, p- people are skeptical about NFTs, and there is a lot of reason to be skeptic and to do your research. But they'll say like, "What is this, is this just an expensive JPEG?" But it's the community who decides if that's valuable. If a lot of people, I mean, the Mona Lisa is a great example. The Mona Lisa, nobody decided was valuable until one person found her painting in a closet like a hundred years later. And then now look at her. So it's it, art is very subjective. And I think that this gives the power to the community to say, like, this is awesome, or this, this isn't awesome instead of instead of the powerful minority, powerful few at the top and almost like one one person, (laughs) one or two
0: people. It's so intriguing. I and and you know, I don't know. It's it is, it does feel very like synergistic with what you guys are trying to accomplish, I think, because it's like a slight shift in power. It's like a very different way of approaching the creator economy. And to sort of circle back to the beginning of our conversation, like I think that's why I'm excited about it because it sort of feels more reminiscent of when we first got into influencer marketing in the first place. And we're like, we're thinking innovatively again. Uh, you guys are at least, not everybody is. And it's refreshing, you know?
1: Um, yeah, it is. You're right. It is, it's overwhelming the amount of possibilities, but I haven't felt felt like this. You're right. Since like the early, like 2009, 2000 12, where it was like we were writing the playbook for the first time. And, and now we're doing that again. And it does make so much sense for PairPop to be building technology and solutions in this space because, because like you said, it's the, the fundamentals of what we believe in are infinitely possible in Web3. So like, community ownership, career ownership, creative ownership, not having somebody dictate and, and have a hundred rounds of creative review to Frankenstein and ad and throw it out there where you get minimal back on, but um really giving the power back to the creator and creating the infrastructure that allows them to do that. And I think, yeah, I mean some it's overwhelming, but I'm so excited about the possibilities and think it could could really change things for creators and shift the power finally really back to to them where they belong?
0: I think that, I don't know, part of the, like, yes, I completely agree with you. I, I worry, I'm like a natural worrier a little bit, like, but I, I worry that, um, while there is that opportunity, 100% and the opportunity is there like for the taking, there's a big barrier to entry currently in terms of like the tech not being there. And there's like, literally it's like a different vocabulary that a lot of people just don't understand. And I worry that while it is there and the possibilities are endless and it could really, really move the needle in terms of things that I think influencers and just even people in the influencer economy uh, or the creator economy and, even in terms of like the influencer marketers have been asking about for the longest time, I worry that people are going to be like turned off, intimidated, like not interested because they're so stretched thin already. And they're like, wait, I'm supposed to learn this like entirely new language, this entirely new way of thinking. Like, okay, like, I don't know, maybe I'll put that on the back burner and it'll happen later. So what are your thoughts on the state of Web3 in terms of the creator economy today and where you think the opportunities specifically will be like in the next year? Like, let's not speak into the theoretical of like five, 10 years from now, but like convince someone who's listening now who is intimidated by Web3 that they should be prioritizing it where are the opportunities for them in web3 within the next year
1: yeah so you're abs i fully fully subscribe to that worry <laughs> you are you are not alone um i think it's so interesting because the the possibilities of you know inclusivity and this decentralized world of Web3 are amazing, but then on the flip side, it's actually created a really big barrier to entry because you have these really smart tech, very predominantly male men who have created this language um, and these gate walls that make it really difficult for people, especially women, to enter. And I mean that because I've gone to quite a few of these hacker houses, to these crypto lounges, to these conferences, because I've tried so hard to understand on Discord. And I actually saw a tweet once that was like, Discord is like the AOL, like, how are we still here? The user experience is awful. And I, there must be people working on, on solutions there. But um, but you, you're right. It's like this really like tech for us. If you don't code, it's hard to understand. And they've created all these these algorithms um, that that make it so you have to learn this language and there's no easy way place to go, and you have to find your own rabbit hole and commit so many hours. That's all changing because people are getting fed up with that and they're creating solutions. There's a few female-based communities. NFT, DAO projects that I'm a part of um, who are helping to address this. Um, BFF is a really great one that has a ton of educational resources on them. Um, another one is Boys Club that I actually just came across and they're trying to do something similar, which is really just like demystify the language and make it a safe space for crypto curious people to enter and ask questions because it is all very new. So even the experts, it's like, oh, when I started this project two years ago, it's like two fucking years ago. I don't know if I'll have to swear on this, but but it's like, we're all new. So I think just embracing that mindset, like you're not too late, have a beginner's mindset, ask questions and try to find these safe places where you feel comfortable. Um, and I'm happy to, to recommend a few others that I have as well. But I think that's where the real opportunity is, because the technology is there; it's being built. the um, The opportunity is very is very clear, and we just really need to create spaces and things, technology and and solutions that creators can easily adapt. Because like like you said, like being a creative full-time job, you're an editor, you're a producer, you're an accountant, you have all these different channels, formats, algorithms changing all the time, real world, digital, like the, it's very, very overwhelming. And then you add on an entirely new ecosystem. It's a huge barrier. So I would just say if to start learning um, and try to find places where it's fun to learn Twitter spaces. They have really good, um, a lot of really good, like listening sessions. There's like some good YouTube playlists. There's a lot of good reading material, but, um, you'll, you'll find that they're starting to get curated in different sections of the internet and just, yeah, just, just remember that everyone's a beginner. Don't be overwhelmed because you're not too late. It's so fun and new.
0: No, it's so fun and very new, a thousand percent. In fact, like, oh my gosh, somebody invited me to um, a weekly chat just so like the handful of us can sit on a Google Meet and just like share what we learned in Web3 the last week and like learn and share information and like, uh, so I, I personally love that you're, I love that. It. <laughs> I, love that. I, am, I feel like I hope to find more women in particular to who are intrigued by it, all the possibilities of it. Um, I can certainly co-sign my BFF is wonderful when they launched only just a few months ago. I was like, Oh shit. Like they're really onto something. Um, I know. Um, so I'm a LinkedIn creator and my creator manager was friends with someone who worked with her at LinkedIn, who just left to work at my BFF. Um, I know, I know. And (laughs) I, I, I'm trying to get in touch and I just, I don't know. There's, it's fun guys. If anything, I can just um, impart on anyone listening or watching, because we, we record the videos now for these interviews as well is talk to myself, talk to Hannah, you know, and we will tell you more and more about how fun it is. Like we're sitting here so enthusiastic about it. Like very genuinely, there's so much opportunity. I just bought like my first significant amount of like ETH, Ethereum uh, two days ago. And I'm like, "Ah, this is so fun. Thank you. And I gotta tell you, it was because of this convert the the this like little mastermind that I'm now a part of which are like these uh, one of them is a member of Wim she's wonderful um and she was the one to put this together and she's like I don't know I just I want to help teach women about it. If you're interested, like, let's just meet once a week. It's super casual. Let's talk about Web3. And she puts together a little Google Doc with links of like, yeah, of like, you know, oh, there was like, my BFF was running a giveaway last week on Twitter. I'm so mad that I missed to like give away another bracelet. And, you know, for anyone who was like, what does that even mean? It's not a real bracelet. It's an NFT. The NFT having like holding that bracelet. Um, First of all, those cost thousands of dollars now. So giving one away is like very valuable and the price is only going to go up. Um, it's an investment and it also has a ton of utility to it, meaning like you have all this access and all this stuff. Anyways.
1: Did you see they're doing a big conference next year, BFF Con? I didn't. Yeah. Wait, tell me. Yeah, they said, um what they say, they're like, if Coachella and South by had a baby, that's what it's going to be. And I was like, dude, give birth. I am here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like a, when when is it? Do they announce? When they announced it, they
1: just said like coming 2023, and that's why I was like, okay, I'm getting this bracelet because you're you're with these NFTs. It's not just a JPEG. You're buying into this community. You're saying I support what you're building. I want to be with these women. I want I'm going to get access to go to these things. So. Also gone to so many like marketing events where um, it is really difficult to meet people. It, everybody seems to know all the answers and everyone's cooler than you. And I go there and I'm like defeated. I'm like, OK, well, I'm just like the small farm town girl from Canada. I'm just going to like get my free tacos and get out of here. But the cool thing about a lot of these Web3 conferences and if anyone is in the New York area, next week is New York or NFT New York, so it's a conference. But then there's a ton of satellite events. There's also this amazing spreadsheet with all those events. So just reach out to to Jesse or myself, and we can give it to you. But great opportunity to go and learn. And people are just so willing to share what they know, ask questions. I went to my first Hacker House um, in Miami with Solana. And I went by myself and I was like one of the only females and it was just like, I don't know anybody here just asking questions. And everyone was so willing to teach me, to ask me their questions. I was just reaching out to people on Twitter and Telegram because those are the channels and people were really willing to help. So just, just know that it's like a different world. You're, it's very, very inclusive and um, friendly. It is, it's not interesting. I, you know, I will say this, that's a good call out.
0: I, I've experienced that as well, that it seems very approachable
1: and friendly. Like everyone's very willing to help. Yeah. You never have that in the, I know. I've never experienced that in what I went to like this world.
0: (laughs) It's very rare, isn't it? Except what I personally have experienced and maybe like it's my limited experience in a whim, I found that in a lot of, not all of, let's be real, but in a lot of influencer marketing communities, like specifically in Wim. Like I, you know, look, we've spent a lot of time to cultivate this type of community, but we wouldn't be able to like, force people to be a certain way right and so I found that like that's sort of the spirit of whim and that's probably why I'm also attracted to web three basically if you are part of whim and you have appreciated the like the the sisterhood or you know the support and the like let's learn together and we're all just in this together and we're you know like there's like egos checked at the door all that web three is very similar and you know it can be very separated from, from, uh, the creator economy, but there is such, it like could fit like a puzzle piece, like the perfect one last puzzle piece to finish the complete picture of the creator economy. So this is my next question to you related to that. I feel like, I feel like one of the main Components to Web3 that is incredibly synergistic and complementary to the creator economy is just the element of community, right? Like, in my opinion, I've said this for years that the most successful influencers it's not a one-way conversation where they're just talking at people it's not even a two-way conversation where they're like their their followers or subscribers are speaking to them they're speaking to the subscribers or followers it's actually a multi omni channel conversation not omni channel but like it's a it's a a, a multiple person conversation in which they've really cultivated a community. Those are the influencers that I have seen have the most success at influencer marketing and the creator economy and creating just like a a brand of their own, an identity of their own. So my question to you is about community because there's absolutely, in my eyes, a link between community and influencer marketing and and the creator economy and in Web3. My question is, what are people doing wrong presently in like term in terms of community? And where is there white space that people should
1: be more aware of and explore? That's a really smart parallel that you drove. I think that there I mean, even like your example with what you built with Wim, it's like that that use case is completely applicable to web three. And, you know, it, it really is just about b- building that magical place. Um, I think that the word community, which makes me so sad, but I'm getting burnt out by it. I think that people are just throwing it on to tacking it on and, 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 and not actually thinking about what it means and what a commitment that is and how much work it takes to build that. The number one thing is to show up, thinking about how can I help, not what can I take, give more than you take, also a big web three principle and really thinking about giving impact and value. And that's where you see the most successful communities in web two or web three take off, where their face planting is when you might not, and also having a very clear vision where you want to build, why you're doing it, where you want to go for a creator or for a community both of them who are now becoming brands or are brands, making it clear that if you sign up, this is what you believe in. Do you what do you stand for? What do you not stand for? What does it take to show up with like a logo on your shirt? You're then exemplifying things about you. This is what I believe in. This is what I care about. This is real estate. And now it's really just putting that on the on the digital storefront, you know, you can think of it in terms of like your avatar in in the metaverse, but then you can also think of like, even if somebody's just sh- talking about you, you're, they, they're saying something about your brand. So really giving them something to believe in and making them feel proud to talk about that thing. And so there's a lot of work, like I said, that has to go into that and thinking about those branding elements. And I actually went through some old decks from when I was working on Samsung and we were looking at um, how Apple had really built this iconic brand and, and how Apple had actually really modeled a lot of the branding elements after the Catholic church. I don't know if that was intended, but they clearly had done that. And we did this study that that showed that where it's like you have these places where people go, these symbols, these and and you if you think about it like that. That um, you can really like allow people to be the be incredibly powerful advocates for you. Okay. So I think that while the word community is being tossed around, the premise of it is more important than ever. If you're a creator, if you're a brand, if you're in Web two, if you're in Web three, it's all sort of becoming s- similar. The principles are very similar, and those principles I think are are really, really, really interesting and I think that that is where the opportunity is
0: so well said um I love it you're officially by the way if I haven't said it out loud yet you're like Invited to our next and recurring um Wednesday afternoon chats. I
1: would I would
0: love to. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're officially invited. I had to like so my you'll meet Lindsay who like put these together, and she like casually dropped this in conversation when her and I were chatting, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I like meet with these girls like every week about like Web three. We just chat about it." And I'm sitting there, and I'm like in my head, I'm like. I don't. Okay, I shouldn't invite myself, right? Like, <laughs> like I really want to be invited. How do I? Like, she can invite me. Could I? Am I getting invited? Like, how do I get there? And so, uh, you don't. If you want to, you are so invited. If you love it, I would. Love, I would love to. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Help each, other, help each other out. Thank you. You're welcome. And if anyone listening is interested, I don't know, give me on Instagram and maybe we'll make this a bigger thing, but I also kind of like a smaller point of this thing. because like there's, I don't know, we can go on and on about web three and how it differs from web two and how it's such an upgrade and how there's so much opportunity in terms of the creator economy. It just feels so synergistic. Like I was mentioning before, there's so much opportunity, but we will put a pin in that because I don't know, we can go on and on. I love what you're saying about community though. It's interesting that you feel as if like People are sort of overusing that word. It's sort of becoming the new, like, authentic, the new word authentic, where people are maybe overusing it. Um, It's a good call out, though. I feel like there are some words that we all use so regularly, and it's worth digging into it to say or to ask, like, is this actually even the word that we mean? Like, Like, what does that word mean to us, right? Like, not every use case of the word community might even mean the same thing. I say this all the time in terms of like scaling. People talk, throw around the word scale a business, scale a business. And I'm like, do you really understand what scaling a business is? Because if you do, you might not want to scale your business. It might not make sense to scale your business. Yeah a t- tangent, but no, I appreciate you sort no. of like yeah, yeah. I, I I, sort of appreciate you calling out even the word community. And like, let's just put more thought into what that means for our use case. And if the goal even is to, even if the goal is to build community, like, what are some more innovative, interesting ways that we can go about that? Um mm-hmm. I think it would be like, I would love to hear from you. If you could close your eyes and make one wish for our industry,
1: what do you wish would change? I wish that more diverse and important, but undiscovered voices had the ability to be heard, I think there's so many creators who have very interesting perspectives and ideas and um cre- and creative niches and um they get lost in the fold and they have regular 9 to 5s, they're raising families, they they can't really commit themselves but we need to hear them and I don't love seeing you know these these TikTok houses with very like white, gorgeous people all doing the same dance. I think that there's creativity there, but I think that um, we as a society just can put a little bit too much admiration towards that. And so I would love for the people who are working multiple jobs or who are, writing essays and, uh, don't have time to build, you know, look into the algorithms or hire a community manager. I would love for, for a way for us to get more exposure to, to their thinking.
0: I love that. And like more discoverability for those people too. Right. So like how, like maybe you, I don't know. I don't know about you. I get sort of bored by like their influencers who I started following years ago. And like very few, like very few of them are completely changing their content. There's one influencer. Um, really like cars. <laughs> yes. Like there's one influencer who I happen to have noticed. She's Lys, L-Y-S-S on Instagram, who used to talk all about like travel and like fitness and now she's like in a completely different phase of her life and that she's like single and wasn't before. And she's completely changed her content basically. And I found that really interesting because when I started following her probably like 10 years ago, I was in a different phase of life and she was too. And so I, I think that like more influencers need to just like pivot their content. And like, you know, I think people are probably afraid of, you know, they're like, oh, wow. Well, like my audience expects this from me and like the algorithm favors this and this is what I've been doing. So like, Oh, I'm so scared to change it. When in fact, like, I don't know about you, but like for me, I'm like, nah, that gets boring after a while. Like I don't really want to follow you anymore. Um, you know what I mean? Are like, are there people that you have followed for a while that have sort of like changed and evolved over time in a way that has kept your attention or do you find that like more or not, it's more than not, it's, it's people who are just like
1: continuing
0: with the status
1: quo. I think that those who do more like storytelling capture my imagination and my interest a lot more where they are like, you know, exposing you to more vulnerable parts of bringing you into the home. It's not just like, look at these shiny things. Cause I get really, really bored of that really quickly. Um, and I think that's also why I've just been like almost all of the time that I spend on social is like from a, from a personal perspective is on Twitter for web three and TikTok for web two and TikTok from a discoverability perspective, it is really awesome. Um, if we could sort of scale that, I think, I think it's great, but, um, yeah, I think that I think that you're right. Like people get sort of get, get stuck or they get comfortable or they're worried like, OK, if I had a kid, am I going to lose my audience if I start talking about the kid or um, maybe their priorities change? And I, I find that the creativity just sometimes gets uh, just squeezed out with, you know. And so I think, yeah, I'm constantly following different people. I feel like right now the people I'm most interested in are like young like gen z or like my tiktok thinks i'm a 65 year old gay man and my tiktok is like, <laughs> you're not i feel like i am sometimes <laughs> i know and i'm like this is so fun this is such a fun corner of the internet but um but yeah i'm just not really like not vibing with a, a lot of what i'm seeing on from the people that i used to follow on instagram
0: yeah. And that's valid, you know, like I, I, it's valid. I wonder for people who are like listening to this conversation, like what you're finding. And like, I am very curious for those, if there are other accounts that sort of stand out in that they are evolving over time change is difficult for a lot of people it's very rare some people really love change I happen to be one of those people um my like my partner Paul like he, he he's the opposite like he hates change so it's interesting that he um it, it's lovely that he's open to it but I know that he's so uncomfortable <laughs> but thank god he's open to it but yeah, you know, most people we are.
1: are. it's he hard it's yeah
0: yeah, most people are uncomfortable with it. So it makes sense that a lot of creators would be. I find that a lot of creators are like weirdly like superstitious almost that they're like, oh, well, like, I don't know, like the algorithm is like doing this thing. And so, like, oh, I can't, I can't stray from that. And I'm like, we need to have like a whole masterclass or like podcast episode or like just fireside, a fireside chat, like some sort of conversation where we're like debunking these like, myths that have existed for so long that are like literally not true we're actually talking with Instagram um we just had a masterclass with uh Instagram about reels and that kind of that question came up actually from somebody in the audience and she's like we should do a whole masterclass, another one about like debunking myths and I was like wait yeah like really you should, you yeah, should. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Cause like people want to hear from them. That's part of the issue. They hear it from like all these different sources and like, they don't know what to believe. Um, but if they hear it directly from Instagram, I feel like they'd be more inclined to believe it. I think that like one of the last questions I have for you, and I'm so sad that our time is sort of up, but, um, well, I'm hopefully be seeing you more because you're going to come to our weekly Web three chat. <laughs> but and of course, we're going to drop into the show notes for you guys to get in touch with Hannah as well because I've enjoyed my conversation with you, and I feel like a lot of people are going to want to reach out. My my last question for today is like for somebody just starting out in influencer marketing, um, and you know, wanting to like really really get the most out of their career or like really like find their place and influence in marketing because there's so many different
1: avenues to go down. What advice would you give to them? Good question. So one thing that I find is um, like, like I said, like really get used to to studying data and subscribe to as many platforms as you can to read reports on sort of what's going on um, from from a marketing and a consumer and a culture perspective um, that will allow you to see the white space and and plan a little bit further in advance so you can think about ways that your content can disrupt. But I would think the number one thing that uh, I think has really helped me is that I'm not like a classically trained marketer. So I think about everything from the perspective of me on my phone scrolling. (laughs) So thinking about when when you see a creator that you think that you love or a piece of content, really look at why. Go through the caption, go through the comments, Are like, is it the same people commenting on everything? If you see something that you love and you wanna DM it to somebody, just think about why. Thinking about the why that you're motivated to do things, why other people are motivated to do things can really help you figure out ways to do different things. It's not just about the, you know, cool, popular, like you can look at impressions or their follower numbers, but like we said, it's, there's a lot of nuance to that. Um, so looking at engagement rate, the quality of the con of the comments. So I look at, is it just, I'm thinking about working with a creator and in their comments, It's just a bunch of like, oh, you're so hot. I love that dress. A lot of emojis. First of all, I do a check to make sure that they're humans writing those and not bots. But then I look at the quality. Are they really like engaging in a discussion that could be relevant to what I'm trying to do? Do I think that that discussion could happen if I work with this creator? So I would just really... Double click, double click, double click into the numbers, into the data, into the people and think about everything from you as a person and what's making you do things. Because at the end of the day, it's like I sort of said at the beginning, it's friend to friend recommendations online. It's fairly simple. It's what motivates you to tell somebody else to do something. And when you boil it down that simple, the opportunities are endless, but it really just takes a different mindset. And I think that mindset makes this whole game a lot more fun. Anyways.
0: I agree so much. I feel like that's like the theme of this conversation. It's like, have more fun, have more fun, find what you think is fun. Like you and I, I feel like we like equally geek out about web three and like, wow. I don't know. I love that you're a I don't know, tech minded and like data minded. And like some people probably listening to this and being like, that's fun. I'm listening to you say that and I'm like, that's fun. <laughs> so I think we're very similar in that way. But like, look, if you're listening to this conversation and that's like not your jam find what's fun for you, you know, like maybe it's more of the like artistic, creative side. Maybe it's the strategy side. Maybe it's the relationship side, like whatever it is. But I love that. Like, that's my takeaway from this conversation is like, find the joy, find the fun. Um, We're very lucky y'all. We work in influencer marketing, you know, like it's such a cool place to be. And there are a lot of other people in this world who do not have half the fun that we have. And, you know, look, I completely, like real talk, I know that in the day-to-day we feel stressed, we feel overstretched, all the things, of course. But, like, take a beat. And if you're not having fun maybe you need to shift to another side of the industry, like maybe, or maybe you just need to find the joy again, but we should all be having more fun. (laughs) That's my takeaway from the conversation. Um, What final closing remarks or words or, you know, anything that you want to share with our audience that you want to sort of leave them with as as we end today's chat?
1: I think you summarized it really nicely, like have fun. And like you said at the beginning, like break things, try new things. The worst that can happen is that you'll learn something. You'll get, you know, you'll get more information and more data. And so just try to do, try to do things, reach out to people, uh, go through the screen. It's so hard in this digital world, but like people like Jesse, it's our great connectors and um, yeah, just try to, rem- yeah, remember that it's just, it's just work. We're just playing and experimenting and we should all just, I have to tell myself that all the time. It's just, it's just work. Have fun. Have fun.
0: I like that though. Like in addition to the fun, like experiment more, break things. I love that you said that break things and learn from it. Learning can be so fun. You guys like so fun so don't be afraid of breaking things look at it as an opportunity to learn something from it like it's not something to fear to break something in a lot of instances like you should try to break things because that's the way that you learn from them and get better and all the status quo like that is the only way I love that so much. You are such a pleasure to chat with. I'm so appreciative. I'm so appreciative that you would come on today. Um, We're going to drop all the ways in which you can reach out to Hannah as well. Um, And I hope you do. And thank you so much for coming on today. You're the best. Awesome. Thank you, guys. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. Leave us a review, a rating, but the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.